Well, uh, my name is Bruce Shubiaka, and I'm your friendly neighborhood youth pastor. <laughs> it's kind of fun. With, I've always wanted to say that with Spider-Man, right? So my family and I have been a part of this church for 11 and a half years now, and I thank God for this church family and how y'all have been like family to us. We hear that word a lot, don't we, around here, family. So thank you for being our family. Thank you for taking us in, for believing in us, and for your continued love and support over these many years. I am grateful. And speaking of grateful, the title of this sermon is Gratitude for His Praise and for Our Good. I'll be looking at uh, many different scriptures for our time together, but the key verse this morning is in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And if you want to turn there, this would be our, our chance to dive in together. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 5. And here's what it says. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. Really? All circumstances? And this is God's will for us? And I'll, I'll admit, I don't give thanks in all circumstances. And in fact, I can complain and grumble too often. I can often grumble internally about my circumstances. And sometimes those internal grumblings can make it to my lips and become outright complaining. I imagine I'm not alone in having a grumbling and complaining attitude at times. In the Old Testament, we see that the Israelites complained and grumbled often about their circumstances. I counted at least 14 times in the books of Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy that they complained. And we don't have time to go through all of these. That would take a long time. But there are, I just want to highlight a few. See, God just rescued the Israelites out of bondage and slavery to Egypt. And God moved in a mighty way to rescue his children. It was a mighty hand of God. But before they even crossed the Red Sea, the complaints started coming in. You can read about that in Exodus. And as you read in Exodus and Numbers, you will see the complaint that you will see Israel complain about a number of different things. For example, they complain about clean water. There's no clean water to drink or no water to drink. They complained about no food to eat. Okay? They complained about no meat to eat. You see this as you read in the Old Testament. And there are more complaints. And God was actually angered by their complaints, by their complaining and grumbling. And yet God met every single need, right? When there was no clean water, God made the water sweet and Israel drank. When there was no water, God brought water from a rock. When there was no food, God brought bread from heaven, manna. All Israel had to do was go out and collect food and harvest it. That's all they had to do. God did all the work. All they had to do was come out and collect it, right? God provided. And when there was no meat, 
God even provided quail. I've never had quail. Has anybody ever had quail here? <laughs> Is it good? Is that right? Okay, good. Hey, next time you shoot one, come bring it to me, okay? <laughs> I want to try it. But God was, and God, God met their needs every time. Um, but we also see because of their complaining, God would actually send a judgment their way for their complaints. And we see one big judgment in Numbers 14. I want to highlight there. If you'd like, you can turn to Numbers 14. And we're going to be in verse 22 to start. And we see this is actually the tenth time that they complain. Now, how do we know it's the tenth time? It actually says it in text. This is their tenth time they complain. So Numbers 14, verse 22, says this. None of the men who have seen my glory and seen my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despise me shall see it. And I'm going to jump down to verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, How long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumbled against me. Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord, What you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness. And of all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Trying to find my place here. Okay, so um, what we see is God, God had Moses send men to spout the land of Canaan, okay? And it was a land that God promised to Israel, and a land flowing with milk and honey. And the te- in this text, we see that the spies brought, brought back a fearful report. Um, we, they said we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. It was a fearful report. And so the Israelites, upon hearing it, grumbled. They grumbled. And this was actually the tenth time. And then Israel complains against God, and God brings this judgment. See, Israel could have went into the land and taken it right then and right there. But now they have to wander the desert for 40 years. What idiots, right? What morons. How forgetful can you be, right? I'm glad I'm not like them. <laughs> I think you get my point here, right? <laughs> we tend to see the nation of Israel in the scriptures like this sometimes. What a bunch of grumbling, whining, complaining, ungrateful people, right? And when we do this, we forget to see ourselves and their story. We can complain and grumble way too often. I do. We complain about our jobs, our health, our neighbors, our spouses, our kids, our houses, our church, our schedules, you name it. 
and I'm guilty. I'm just as bad as Israel. And it's just, this is what I call stinking thinking, all right? Stinking thinking. Say stinking thinking. <laughs> I do that with my students too, so thank you. Thanks for being along. <laughs> and I got to tell you, stinking thinking does not praise the Lord. It does not praise the Lord. And it's actually what I've come to learn, it's anti-praise. Stinking thinking, complaining, grumbling is anti-praise. Paul David Tripp, the well-known author and speaker, um, he's kind of a pastor to pastors. We read a lot of him around here, actually, in our leadership teams. But he shares this thought. After unpacking Israel's grumbling heart, here's what he has to say. And I just got a paragraph for us. He says, of course, what they were facing was bigger than their natural abilities. Of course, they would have to be willing to fight battles. Of course, the possession of land would be difficult. Life in a falling world is hard. God does not orchestrate difficulties in my life that I would, God, sorry, God does orchestrate difficulties in my life that I would not have chosen to face. But the words of Israel demonstrate their complaint was not just about circumstances, but about God. If praise is celebrating God's awesome glory, then complaint is anti-praise. Not only does complaint fail to recognize his, his grandeur, I had to pause to walk up the stairs. It's like reading and walking, you know, it's like kind of hard. All right, not only does complaint fail to recognize his grandeur, it questions his power and character. If you believe that God is the creator and controller of all that is, then it is impossible to complain about your circumstances without complaining about God. Let me repeat that main phrase again. If praise is celebrating God's awesome glory, then complaint is, is anti-praise. You see, when we complain, we forget that God is good, that God is in control of all things, that God keeps his promises, and that God has the power, and that God cares about me. We forget that God cares about me. And God, forgive me, a, a complaining, grumbling, ungrateful fool at times. And the New Testament actually speaks about grumbling and complaining also. In Philippians 2, we see uh, that Paul writes. Here's what he says, Philippians 2.14. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, See, when we do everything without grumbling, you shine for him. You shine for him. Especially in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. In a culture that grumbles and complains about everything, we give thanks. When people all around us gripe, we don't. As Christians, God has a better story for you and for me. As Christians, we give thanks. 
God has a better story for you and for me. It's a good story. Have you seen the movie Courageous? Incredible movie. It's one of my favorites. I love movies that just kind of grip you emotionally. And that's definitely courageous, right? There's funny moments. There's really, really sad moments. It has a great message. It's a Christian movie, Christian directors. I encourage you to see it. It's great. Uh, But there's a line in the movie I'll never forget. As the movie unfolds, so does the main character in the movie, and understandably. See, he loses his daughter in a tragic accident. You see the whole family grieving. It's a very emotional moment. The father in the story goes to get some grief counseling from his pastor. And he's hurting and wrestling with the loss. And the pastor listens well and then offers this thought. And this is the key. Listen in. The pastor says to the father, the hard choice for you is whether, you're not, is whether or not you're going to be angry for the time you didn't have with her or grateful for the time that you did have. I love that line. So you and I have a similar choice with our circumstances. Will we be angry and complain about our circumstances in life or will we choose to be grateful for the blessings we do have? See, it's so easy for us to focus on what we don't have. I'm there. It's so easy for us to focus on what we don't have. And then we miss out on just so many blessings to be thankful for, for what God has given us. And let me tell you, God has a better story for you and for me. We're going to switch gears now, okay? We're going to the grateful and thankful section. So God's word is filled with thanksgiving. Say thanksgiving. And I'm not talking turkey, okay? (laughs) There are at least 100 verses. There's probably hundreds of verses, honestly, that speak to giving thanks to God. And do you know that there's actually a psalm of thanksgiving? It's awesome. You should read it on thanksgiving. Psalm 100. It's easy to remember. Psalm 100. Um, please turn there with me. Psalm 100. Psalm 100. It's a nice short one. Here's what it says. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So if there's one place where we give thanks, it's right here in this sanctuary, right? We give thanks corporately to God every Sunday, every Sunday morning. And why do we do this? Why do we sing? Why do we give thanks to God? It's for him, it's for his praise and for his glory, right? The psalm, this psalm of thanksgiving 
acknowledges that God made us. We are his people. Therefore, we give thanks to God. He is good. God is good all the time. Let's try it again. God is good all the time. Awesome. And, and I saw this phrase. This is really cool. I saw this phrase five times, five times in the Old Testament, five different times, five different separate sections of Scripture. He says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. I found that at least five times. And I think if Israel had a song that they sang over and over, I remember my college days, that we had a song that we sang over and over, my Jesus, my Savior. You guys could probably sing it, right? We sang that over and over. And if Israel had one song, I think that they sang over and over and over, it'd be this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. What if that was our heartbeat? What if that was our song, right? So we give thanks for his praise and glory. But I'm also learning God gives us this privilege for our own good. I found scriptures that connect thanksgiving and peace ruling in our hearts. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 speak to this. Let me read it for you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with unto God and the peace of God. Let, the, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So God has a better story for us here. And it's not anxiousness. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Pray and petition God, right, for your concerns. That's important. We've got to cry out to God for rescue. The Israelites did it. It got rescued them out of slavery. But we don't complain. We're not anxious either, Right? He says, pray and petition God for these concerns, and don't be anxious. And then he says something that we often gloss over. Pray and petition with thanksgiving. Do we thank God as we pray and petition him, as we ask for these things? Do we thank God? I'm trying to get into the habit of praying for my concerns, praying to God, and then thanking him for however he answers. So God's in control. I'm not. <laughs> He's in control. I'm not. So thank you, God, for however you answer. Yes, no, slow, <laughs> right? Maybe. Thank you, God. I give my concern to God, thanking him, however he might answer. And then it says, the peace of God, which is beyond our comprehension. To comprehend something means to wrap your arms around something. That's what it means to comprehend. This is something we can't comprehend. We cannot get our arms, our minds around it. The peace of God, which is beyond us, and will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And who doesn't want the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts, right? And this peace is not based on our circumstances, not at all. It's a buzz based on the goodness and greatness of our God. And if I could make this into an equation, right, it would look something like this. I think Brian did this once. He made things into equations. It helped me understand it a little better. But prayer to God 
plus thanksgiving equals peace in whatever circumstances. I like that. Prayer to God plus thanksgiving equals peace in whatever circumstances. So we give thanks to God for his praise and for our good. And Christians are grateful people. And we should be the most grateful people on the planet. Absolutely. Most grateful people on the planet. I'm going to read that, our key verse again. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will. Uh, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. All right, we're going to go to applying and rewiring, if you're taking notes. So how do we show gratitude? How do we do that? I want to address the rewiring part of this, actually. Scientifically, it has been shown that you can rewire rewire your brain to be more grateful. Is that crazy? From my research, I've learned that your brain has a property scientists call neuroplasticity. Interesting. Neuroplasticity is the discovery that you can restructure your physical brains by using your minds to create better brain cell connections. You can literally rewire your brain to be more grateful. That's cool. But it takes practice. So after hearing about how you can rewire your brains to be more grateful, I wondered if we can also rewire our brains to be more grumbly. I don't know. I just wondered that. If we practice complaint, will it be easier for us to complain? Will those neurological pathways be more abundant and make easier connections if we practice complaining? Let me give you another formula to make it simple. Complaining equals more complaining. It's pretty simple, right? Gratitude equals more gratitude. I want to be in that last camp, right? I want to practice because it praises my king. And it's for my good, for peace in my heart. Gratitude, the practice of gratitude equals more gratitude, more connections, easier to go there. And here's a few ways, this application, here's just a few ways that we can rewire our brains to be more grateful. And I'm hoping to give you some different examples of how to practice gratitude. So if you, if you want, take notes and practice these with your family. We're trying to do this. I've been, honestly, been working on this sermon for two months, just practicing, researching. I've known, I, I've known for a while I'd be teaching today. I've been practicing this, been working through it, been do, trying to do it with my family, doing it personally. So I'm excited to share some of this with you, some of these practices. But just gratitude around the dinner table. We have a question of the day normally that we go through around our dinner table. And we just ask the question of the day, and it's often, what do you want to thank God for today? And it's chaotic in the Shuby home with all the kids. <laughs> but what do you thank God for today? And we just go around one person at a time, right? And then over Thanksgiving in October, I wanted just to step up our game a little bit. And I had them write note cards around the dinner table what they thank God for. Mom. That's sweet. Mom. Because 
She drives the car. There's a car. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what do we thank God for? Uh, Christmas. Christmas is coming. There, thank you, God, already for Christmas. <laughs> what do we thank God for? Susie. Oh, is Susie in the house? Yeah. Oh, this is Aunt Susie. She's here visiting us. I think she actually took off. She was with us over Christmas. Oh, this is great. We have some friends over for Thanksgiving. And my friend, Matt McLeod, said, a great cloud of witnesses that surround us at MPC. Thank you, God, for these people, is what he's saying. Here in Lubbock. That's awesome. Here's one I wrote. I had one. It was on the top. Here we go. Patty and Paul Rasmussen. This family... Um, took me in when I was about 19 years old. I can't get through that without. <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> anyway, um, this family took me in when I was 19, 18 or 19, and just showed me Jesus. They were Christ to me. I got to see, I was raised in a broken home, and then uh, God was not the center of my home that I grew up in. I got to see Christ at the center of this family, and just how the husband and the wife loved each other, how they loved their kids, and they just took me in as one of their own. And I got baptized in their church. And every time I tell my story, I tell them, I tell of them. Is that neat? I tell of them, the Rasmussen's. I'm grateful for them and how God used them in a mighty way in my life. So how about a gratitude walk? There's times that I'm overwhelmed with anxiousness and overwhelmed with this, this grumbly attitude, Right? What if we just go for a gratitude walk and just thank God? It puts me in the present. Instead of worrying about what's in the future, instead of worrying about what could happen, which it might not, right? Instead of worrying about that, what if I, right in this moment I go for that walk and I thank God for all of his blessings in my life. Thank you, God, for the beautiful blue sky, for the birds, for the sounds and smells. Thank you, God, that the trees are changing colors. Right? What if we go for those gratitude walks? And this puts us in a moment, and we're thankful in a moment. Helps us forget about what could happen. Right? What about gratitude when I first wake up? Some of us, when we wake up, we instantly go to things we have to do, and we, it overwhelms us. Over, it it kind of gets us anxious already. I got to do this and this and this. What if it was the first thing we did is wake up, would be to wake up and give thanks. God, thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you for my spouse laying next to me. Thank you that I have a roof over my head. Thank you that I have a comfy bed. God, thank you. How about just worship music? I know Stephanie mentioned this. She said, man, worship music just puts me in a grateful spirit. And I need this because when I have to clean the house, I'm grumbly, right? When I have to clean the house, I'm grumbly, and so I can just play some worship music. God, lots of gratitude in worship music. How about just gratitude when I'm discontent? I see a Ford 
F-150 Raptor fly by me 2022, and I'm like, right? And then I say, thank God my Tacoma taco is paid off. <laughs> I bought it off a student. <laughs> that is paid off, baby. And it runs well. <laughs> Gets me point A to point B. Thank you, God. How about gratitude when we're feeling discontent? There's always something to be grateful for. How about, here's the last one that we can practice. Gratitude. When you see Jesus in someone, to speak that gratitude to them, to text them, to write a note. I saw Jesus in you this way. To practice gratitude out loud. We need to encourage one another in that. Continue on. I saw Jesus in you this way. Continue on. When you see Jesus in someone, tell them. Tell them. And here's what I've noticed in these last two months, really practicing gratitude. It's powerful. It's transformative, really. I am more grateful. I cherish my wife more. That's good. That's a good thing. And to enough practice, I can even cherish my in-laws more. They're right here in the pew. <laughs> Love you guys. I think Barry Beckerell, if you want to say hi later. <laughs> Love you guys. I love my in-laws. They love the Lord. They serve us so faithfully. And I'm more grateful for even the different pleasures in life. Over COVID, I lost, my wife and I had COVID back in November, early November. And we lost our sense of smell, lost our sense of taste. Man, I lost my sense of taste for bacon. <laughs> I couldn't taste bacon. When I got that back, I was like, yes, bacon, bacon. Even smelling my wife's perfume, I'm like, I can smell your perfume. It's awesome, right? The smell of campfire is my favorite smell is campfire. I can smell it, kind of. <laughs> Thank you, God. And God, I got to tell you, I've even experienced the peace of Christ ruling more in my heart. I have. I really have. Thank you, God, for that. I feel more content. Who doesn't want that, right? That contentment. Thank you, God. For all these gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Somewhere in James. <laughs> James 1. James 1. Now imagine these scenarios with me. Being more grateful for your spouse instead of grumbly toward them. What would that do for your marriage? Wow. That's powerful. Being more grateful for your job and your bosses. What would that do for your attitude waking up on Monday morning? Being more grateful for school and a good education. Many young and old are not so blessed. Being more grateful for your health, the health that you have. It could be much worse, right? Um, our friend, Mr. Courtney, uh, he was a real playful guy. He'd walk by my office, turn off the light, and just keep going. <laughs> Super playful guy. So, how you doing, Mr. Corday? So, I'm still above ground. <laughs> I love that attitude. <laughs> still above ground. Thank you, God. I'm still above ground. <laughs> right. And Mr. Courtney is in the 
presence of Jesus right now. He is more grateful than ever. How about the, just being grateful for the privilege to serve? For the privilege to serve your church, your neighbors, whatever it might be. I had to practice this last night. I was making my way to the church to practice this, um, to kind of rework it. Last night even, I had to practice, God, thank you for the privilege to serve. As I'm leaving an awesome dinner, right? We just finished up dinner, and I'm driving in the truck, and my family pulls out a game. And if you know Bruce, you know he loves to play. He loves games. My family's playing a game. I'm like, oh, boy. What a privilege to serve God, to be on mission with him. What a great privilege. And what a privilege. And what a, what a imagination of being grateful for your church and your church family. In many parts of the world, it's illegal to gather as believers. It's illegal. God, thank you that we get together. I got to tell you, great, gratitude is powerful. It's transformative. I challenge you to give it a try for yourself. And it really is a choice. And now I got, I'm just wrapping up here. The phrase give thanks, the phrase give thanks in the Greek language is actually one word. To give thanks, as we see in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, our key verse, in Greek is eucharistio, eucharistio. That's the Greek for give thanks. And eucharistio is a combination of two Greek words. The root word for eucharistio is charis, and that means grace. Is that awesome? Charis means grace. And the word charis is also related to the Greek word kara, which means joy. So let me once again put this into a simple equation. Thanksgiving equals grace plus joy. Thanksgiving means to receive grace and to experience joy. To receive grace and to experience joy. So let me share with you how we have received grace and now experience joy. The Bible is really clear. Because we have sinned, we deserve to die, both physically and spiritually. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. Here's what that's saying. While I was at my worst, God loved me and gave me Jesus to die, the death I deserve. That's what I deserve. I deserve death. But Jesus died in my place and in your place. He satisfied God's wrath towards you and your sin. Then he conquered death and rose from the grave. It is by grace that you're saved through faith. And this is a gift, a gift from God. We don't deserve anything except for death. And by God's grace, instead of experiencing death, we experience life. And his grace is the greatest gift of all. Absolutely, the greatest gift of all. And because we have received such grace and, we, and, and, and experienced the joy of this gift, we give thanks to God for his salvation. And we give thanks to God in all circumstances. And we're going to play one last song.
We have so much to be grateful for. And let's practice being grateful. Let's give thanks. Let's give Eucharistio. Because of the grace we've received, we're going to express that in a joyous moment, giving thanks to God for all his good gifts, for salvation and for every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights. We're going to give praise. This song is called Gratitude. It's for you, Jake, by Brandon Lake. And during the song, let's practice Eucharistio. And, and if you're here and haven't received that gift of God's grace, I want to challenge you to take that moment right now. Believe on Jesus and the good news that he gives you life and took the death you deserve. And if you have received that gift of grace through faith in Christ, then please give thanks for the many, many, many gifts he's given you starting with the gift of eternal life. So with this song, you can sit down, you can stand up if you'd like, you can sing along. I'll give you three options, right? You can sing along. You can just offer thanks to God in your hearts, just quietly. Or I even challenge you, encourage you, speak it out. Let it be a, a chorus of thanksgiving and praise to God. Praise him for all the good gifts. God, thank you for salvation. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. Thank you for my family. Thank you that I have a roof over my house. Thank you for the job I have. Thank you, God, for the health I have. Thank you, God, for my kids. Man, there's so much to be thankful for. So if you could, give, uh, join me in giving thanks. And this song, it's really a great, beautiful song. He actually encourages you to speak out. To speak out. Oh, my soul, right? Speak out. Speak out this praise to God. Speak out this thanksgiving. This Eucharist deal. All right, please join me. Go ahead and play. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your greatness. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for family. Thank you for all the good gifts you give us. Breath in our lungs. And God, forgive us for ways that you have, that we Forgive us for ways that we have grumbled and complained and we focus on what we don't have. God, help us to be grateful for what we do have, to really practice Eucharistio, that we would receive your grace and response, experience your joy, and just express that back to you. God, we are grateful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.